1: rotowire nfl podcast brought to you by yahoo and yahoo daily fantasy sports it's officially august which means football season is around the corner and Yahoo fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called best ball that lets you get in on the action. Now with best ball, you can draft your fantasy football team and that's it. You don't need to do a thing. Once you've drafted your team each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment, no waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make sense of those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football: the draft. Are you tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy football team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before each se- before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage those teams all season long? You can draft up to fifty best ball teams, play for free or play for cash. But most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash bestball. John McKechnie here. Mario Puig. Mario,
2: how's it going? Oh, uh, pretty good. Uh, let's see. It's a nice day outside. It is. Um, I don't know. The Amazon's on fire. That's bad. That's I would really have, bad. I would have hoped for a smaller forest to start on fire than that one. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's all I've got on my mind. My
1: small peanut brain, actually, when it saw... Uh, amazon fire trending on twitter yesterday like uh, it literally went to the amazon fire stick like, yeah I, I feel, i'm sure i'm not the only one but oh still. the
2: fire stick yeah. i yeah i i feel silly about this but i fired off my confetti cannon because i assumed it was like jeff bezos's uh, <laughs> many houses that have sweatshops inside of them and i thought maybe some of them started on fire but unfortunately they didn't and uh yeah so i wish i had amazon that confetti back i don't i, I regret firing it off for that particular event it's not a good one yeah
1: no but we'll have to go back to the confetti store to reload uh for that one but confetti
2: cannon store yeah, uh, yeah. The confetti is easy to find. It's the cannons that you got to go to a specific dealer for. I
1: like to make my own confetti, yeah. So uh, we got a good show lined up here today. We're going to get into some, some news here for a little bit. And then the meat of the show is going to be going over the Rotowire Steak League auction that Mario and I both participated in earlier this week. is a pretty interesting way of getting a, a sense now on how... Uh, you and I and the rest of our, our, you know, coworkers who are very kind of boots on the ground with, with this stuff on on the fantasy end are viewing uh, all these players right now from an auction standpoint. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, the auction itself kind of dragged on a little bit there, but uh, we made it through. So
2: yeah it was kind of funny that we had a five minute break when there was like two minutes left in the auction <laughs> like it was i i think i had something like four dollars left and i was like oh i was hoping we could stop and wait a little bit good um it's yeah, really it's, good but anyway uh yeah for that had nothing to do with this but i don't like my teams that much but i, I got a bunch of like my guys but i I accidentally made a couple bit well at least one bit I did accidentally like I ended up with Kiki Kuti for three dollars who I I basically don't want on a roster spot in this particular format it's standard scoring it is 14 teams so there's something to say for Kuti but it's like this league has small benches which I hate but I always forget it each year, and I have no depth. Yeah, so
1: we'll get to that and uh, the rest of our teams uh, there in a bit. But before uh, we get there, and you know, this kind of applies here with with the way that he was priced in in this auction. But I think people are also very curious as to what your view on Zeke is from an ADP uh, standpoint. It seems like uh, the Cowboys, as of today, offered him what what Edward kind of deduced is a contract that would make him the second highest paid uh, running back in the league, which I think was rather expected where it's sort of like he's going to get more than Le'Veon Bell, uh, but less than Todd Gurley is sort of the the impression uh, that that I've seen. Makes sense. I think that just teams in general aren't going to want to overshoot the girly contract anymore, especially with with everything that has uh, transpired since then. So I wasn't surprised by that. But again, you know that's an offer that's sitting on the table, hasn't been signed or or anything uh, yet officially. So it, maybe there's no movement whatsoever. But either way, that's allegedly what what was floated out to Zeke. What, what do you think of that? And then what what have you been doing about Zeke in terms of uh, you know where he's going in drafts?
2: i haven't picked him in the past uh i don't know what it's been like two weeks or something like that basically because i just i haven't had that many picks where i would have had the chance of taking him anyway uh, for some reason randomly i guess it's like there was this auction that i partook in and i, I wasn't gonna bid on him exactly he went for 51 dollars. Uh, i think we had a 200 hundred-dollar budgets yeah so, so i think he was the f- he was probably the fourth uh, most expensive running back Right, I paid more for Nick Chubb at $54. Oh, yes. I wasn't exactly uh, expecting Chubb to go for that much, but there was one other owner in the league who just uh, was all in and I had slightly more money, so I just kind of had to go the distance on that one, but um yeah, I would much like if I had to make the call, I think I would take Chubb over Elliot right now, but I guess the the background info on that is um maybe unreasonably a high on Nick Chubb and definitely higher than most people but to me I think everybody's just kind of wrong about his pass catching ability and um, as much as you know that he, he's still even if he has his good case pass catching scenario he's not going to keep up of course with guys uh, like Saquon or McCaffrey or Kamara but I think that Chubb's a really good bet to lead the league in touchdowns from scrimmage so i see him as about as high of a floor as you can get pretty much with a substantial ceiling too like top five kind of ceiling so i I guess that's how i can draw the line on elliot like i I know i would rather have chubb but after that it's like the odds of him falling any further to the point where i have to think about it again just aren't very good so i I don't think i've seen him go later than nine or something like that in a draft and i I know i won't take him there because uh, I'll take Chubb. I, could, I think I could convince myself to take Connor, too, even. Whoa. Um, That's just a
1: reversal, of course.
2: Well, yeah, I just don't know what's going to go on with any of it. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what – maybe this Cooper injury is good news for Zeke. Like, maybe that convinces Jerry, like, oh, I guess we really do need Zeke more because Cooper going to be screwed up this year. I don't know. I have no idea where any of it's going. But I, I just don't really want to take the risk of having a first-round pick that, uh, you know – is already with a limited number of games and it's like even just because a guy you know misses some time and comes back theoretically ready to play it doesn't mean a that he will be or b that he can't get hurt again or something like that it's like the 16 games is uh something you'd like to have assured as a as a possibility with your first round pick and it, it just isn't guaranteed with Elliot. No, it's not. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried about that still
1: kind of lingering, even, even if like the, the contract is on the table there. So, uh, there's some there's some concern obviously you know we talked about it last week i had the four spot um in that nffc draft and it was ppr um but i I took david johnson instead of zeke and and uh looking at uh drafts that have gone on from this time that we were recording last week till right now uh zeke has still gone as high as two in some leagues and as low as 10 so it's a
2: totally legitimate opinion to to have like that he's worth the second pick because what if he I mean, plays he, I mean in June he was like the you know
1: locked in number 2.
2: Right, and before the Lavian Bell situation last year, there was no real such thing as situations like Bells. It's like the closest thing might have been Emmett Smith back in like I don't know if that was even his rookie year. It was a weird uh not at all analogous hold out to what the the Elliot and Bell and uh Gordon situations are in more recent times but it's like the bell we we all thought was just like not gonna happen because it never did before and then it did and it's like well how the hell are we gonna know the difference ahead of time whether this is the real thing again or if it's uh you know a bluff hold out uh just can't really take anything for granted either way so that you know it's it's justifiable to take the risk but it's also super justifiable to take a player who uh isn't threatening to sit out the year. Yeah, so I've I've been risk averse, you know, like you were
1: saying, you want that sure thing, you don't want to be the one that, that gets burned, you know, spending your first round pick on someone that, that doesn't end up playing. Uh, I listened on the radio this morning, Jeff Darlington on ESPN was saying that his source inside the Cowboys w- was pretty adamant that he believes that Zeke is going to be there and ready to roll uh, week one that this contract will get done. But still, you know, until we know that for sure, I think I understand where you're coming from. And, and obviously, I'm justifying it for myself, where I am risk averse to, to taking Zeke inside the top five picks at this point. Um, another guy whose ADP is kind of all over the place a little bit, um, among other things, all over the place a little bit, Antonio Brown. Uh, so he's going as high as pick 17 and as low as pick 33 in drafts that have gone on the NFFC over the last week.
2: Okay. Yeah. I feel like I've seen him fall into almost the 40th pick range on draft best ball, but I'm not picking him. That's nope. This isn't even comparable to... Well, it's not comparable to Zeke and Gordon because Brown isn't holding out, uh, at least not on a contract basis he isn't, but it's also not analogous because his upside is not the league winning sort in my opinion like i just I, as much as i think antonio brown is very very good and as much as Derek car uh Derek Carr has uh you know at least for little bits of time been able to support amari cooper and michael crabtree as decent uh, uh fancy receivers they still were only decent and they were guys that you picked in like the fifth sixth seventh round just uh crabtree more so the sixth seventh uh cooper more like fourth fifth you're still taking brown in the late second uh mid third even with all this insanity going on like that's not much of a discount he's going ahead of melvin gordon a lot of the time and it's like at least if gordon or zeke play they can very plausibly finish as top five overall players i don't think you can see that with brown like I probably give a higher projection to Chris Godwin just in a vacuum like even if uh even if Brown plays 16 games so if if that's the the way that he's if that's the area of the draft that he's falling into and I consider a guy going, you know, twelve picks later to be at worst an equal option. I'm not ever picking the first one. Exactly.
1: So that that's been my my big thing is that I just would rather go after the receivers that are going in his There's range. There's good ones there that are comparable. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Evans is someone that that's probably gone by the time that that Antonio Brown falls to falls to you towards that very end of the second round. But there are just other guys. You know, I would probably take Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen Both over, of them over easily. Yep, and uh, Godwin. I think it, it. You know, it's a it's a bold statement probably to hear like for the first time. But I, I mean, I also uh, would be of the opinion that that Godwin ends up with more points than, than Brown as well. I mean, I'm just so worried about Brown. I'm worried about this offense. Uh, Derek Carr, like the third lowest. Uh, average depth of throw last year among quarterbacks with at least 200 pass attempts so he doesn't really push the ball down field the whole antonio team is brown as- also on the wrong side of 30 out have like you know it's like the the last thing that we've been talking about but like what if there's a fall off here just even if he's ready for week one
2: yeah there's that and uh like a really good season for antonio brown on the raiders would have been something like 100 catches for 1100 yards and six touchdowns and that would be more than sufficient for even a second round pick in ppr but unless we think Derek carr is going to throw a bunch of touchdowns this year i never understood the the case for brown in standard scoring uh anywhere near that price anyway i never saw it and the other thing like it's not just the foot issue which i have no idea what how anyone can know what's going on there like it's it's one thing to say like oh it's uh, it's just a what, chemical burn? Like what? Well, he just needs It the, was actual frost.
1: The, yeah, the frozen parts of his of his foot the the frozen water inside of it. It just needs to thaw out and then they need to cut off the dead
2: skin under the, underneath Seriously? that. Seriously? Yep. Oh my god. Wait. So how deep in the skin is it? It got up in there. Uh yeah, so <laughs> It's a good thing we have dozens of past cases of guys uh, voluntarily freezing their feet to the point of needing medical intervention, because we know how it always works out once they come back to the field. Um, I, yeah, so not knowing how that actually w- could possibly work, I don't, I, I'm not going to just assume that this space injury that he has <laughs> is going to turn out to be easily managed as much as it's like, you, you know, it's nice as a starting point They're like, well, I haven't had to cut it off, so uh, he'll, you know questionable for week one it's like that's i kind of need better reassurances than that some mr deed stuff going on there's that there's the helmet thing which i have no idea i just don't have any idea and then it's not just that it's not just that and and then david or uh, Derek carr so there's three substantial concerns there you also have the fact that the entire team is mismanaged that's a, a circus over there like mayock has no idea what he's doing gruden's just whatever a joke basically um he's not as bad as some coaches but he's basically a joke and mike mayock has done pretty much a perfectly awful job since taking over as a gm there uh making that trade for antonio brown not having like a a firm grip on like his nature uh passing on a guy like ed oliver and taking clell and farrell taking josh jacobs at the end of the first round and saying that you're passing on these better players because you're pursuing character guys for the move to las vegas then you sign richie incognito too like what are you what are you even doing you have no method you're just making things up and if you if you're just making up the the plan as you go like you're gonna just tie yourself into stupid positions and this is just like a ridiculous outcome that was totally unnecessary. There might be more unnecessary, ridiculous things ahead. There's just nothing you can bank on there. No, it's it's very
1: bizarre. I, th- I think that, you know, to this point, yeah, Mayock hasn't maybe caught the the level of flack that he's, that he's already brought on to himself.
2: Absolute <laughs> joke of a team right now. Yeah,
1: and, you know, coming into the, that pos- that GM position with three first rounders, you know, in his back pocket and to turn it into that, especially when, like, n- you know, it's like a verbal meme, like, no one, and then raiders of four cleveland farrell like that nobody was projecting that
2: he would have been a pretty good pick at like 25th overall there you go yeah
1: so yeah that just a bit of a head scratcher there Um, we're gonna get into jimmy garoppolo here in a second too but before then we got a message from our friends over at sports predictor the team of professional sports bettors at sportspredictor.com are an elite group of long-term winners They're here to help you beat your bookie. Number one, they win. The entire team at Sports Predictor have a proven profitable edge. Number two, they're data driven. They use predictive sports models to consistently find value. Number three, they're honest and transparent. Every pick for every capper every day is published on their website. Number four, subscribers are limited. Or subscriptions are limited every sports predictor package has a subscriber limit when that number is hit it is closed to new members and lastly they educate their betters with informative articles this sports predictor podcast to help you learn from professionals choose a professional handicapping service that operates with integrity and a winning edge choose sports com. all right mario so i know we always talk about how Preseason doesn't matter, and largely it doesn't. But I think it's funny to say that and then also to see an immediate sort of reactionary uh, result happen in the in the form of Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and I know in, in our format, in the stake league format that has the shallow benches, uh, only five res- reserve spots, I believe, are on that. and uh, And it's a one-quarterback league. But the point remains, we had almost 240 total guys come off the board on Tuesday's stake league auction, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of them. And I don't think you can tell me that pre, like his putrid performance in the preseason to this point had nothing to do with it.
2: Yeah, I don't know how many players, uh, how many quarterbacks were picked in the auction. I, I don't know if some teams went with just one. Uh, and uh, passed on the backup which is totally reasonable to do when you said did stupid small benches like this league um but yeah jimmy garoppolo was not picked in this i would have considered taking him but i already had uh cam newton and matt ryan so wasn't gonna take three i already kind of i didn't mean to get both of cam or ryan i just thought like eh, that's too cheap for the, for them to go to anybody for five dollars so i bid six a couple times but if i hadn't if i had only taken one of cam or ryan i would have t- been totally okay with garoppolo for i don't know it wouldn't have been surprising to me if he had gone anywhere from one to four in that league but i think that basically garoppolo at his current price is not risky at all like it's it's risky to go into the year with him as your primary quarterback i think it could work out totally fine but it's risky um with that said especially in best ball like if you're getting him as a second quarterback and you're talking like 13th 14th round it's like that's that's like 15 picks earlier than someone might take andy dalton or something like that and i definitely have garoppolo way ahead of him sure so i think what's important for people to keep in mind is that garoppolo doesn't need to be that good to be useful in this system not just because he's really cheap in fantasy drafts but because the system dictates that there will just be kind of empty calorie production if nothing else and we saw that with Mullins last year like Mullins is not good i've seen a lot of people who have been convincing themselves like oh he's going to actually take the job from jimmy garoppolo he's i really don't think that's a possibility i think it's easy to look good if you're competing with cj Bethard. I don't think that it's true that uh, Garoppolo has uh, regressed so much that Mullins, you know, this guy who's really turnover prone and not especially accurate at Southern Mississippi, is going to come in and take the job from him. Now, uh, it's it's something that Mullins was as good as he was last year. It's better than you would expect of an undrafted rookie, but uh, still, point stands. It was mostly based on the system. And Garoppolo, however bad he is, is unlikely to be as bad as Mullins. So, uh I I don't exactly have you know forty five hundred yard hopes for Garoppolo these days, but four thousand yards is definitely within reach, I think. And whatever reason there is to doubt him, I don't think the preseason is one. It's one thing to freak out about that training camp thing where he threw five interceptions, but that was impressive. Yeah, I I just don't know what to make of it because it's like I don't think he's going to get benched, and I think whoever is out there is going to just ride the wave of the scheme so i don't know i think i think the stuff about freaking out about the denver defense is stupid uh because it's like denver could have one of the best defenses in the league and it's preseason so just just ignore it um but yeah i think he'll be fine basically just because he doesn't need to do much to be useful to the, at his current price okay so yeah basically you're, you're
1: saying that you know if if it's to the point where now his adp is st- has dropped to where it's, you're picking between him and Andy Dalton. You know that's a much better discount than what you're getting on Garoppolo heading into the summer. But I think just like what I wanted to to get out there is that he has looked bad, and like the fact that you know he did have that viral like training camp report come out where he threw picks on five consecutive reps. Like that is a little bit strange, and he looked really shaky on Monday night. I thought, and, and it was limited, and obviously he's going against Denver that has a good defense and all that but he looked really uncomfortable. And I think that maybe that knee is going to be a problem this year in terms of like his confidence. Uh, that's, you know, obviously a huge injury to come back from. And I think we kind of gloss over how big of a deal that can be for players. So, uh, you know, I think that, like you said, he's going to have the job security. I don't see him losing this job if he's healthy, but I'd think that this like the high hopes for this 49ers team uh might need to be you know checked a little bit here if garoppolo struggles like i think it's kind of trending towards right now
2: yeah he could i just i just don't care about any preseason game like if if his if his leg snaps when he's on the field i'll go like that's bad that's not good to see his leg snap like that um but if he's getting it was six pass attempts i just i don't know just don't care
1: fair enough i i understand um i yeah and again you know preseason again doesn't matter but
2: like it's it's totally reasonable to worry about the acl i think i just wouldn't uh raise or lower that fear based on what happens in the preseason
1: understandable all right so let's get into your team and how you approach this auction so basically just uh, the general format here for the listeners it's a 14 teamer uh standard league one quarterback, two running back, three receiver, a flex, um, and a tight end that you're starting, as well as three IDPs, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, um, and a defensive back. So what was your approach coming in, uh, in terms of how you wanted to to build your roster, given the, the fact that this was a standard format?
2: Well, I didn't know what to expect. I never know what to expect with Stake League. Like, It's a weird mix of people that are participating, so it doesn't follow like you know draft best ball adp or nffc adp it's kind of like a lot of things are liable to just kind of be improvised and uh, a little bit wacky at times so i mostly just went into it thinking like i just got to get a bunch of my guys and you know not overthink the prices too much so i was able to do that i often target guys like nick chubb and chris godwin i got both of them i don't normally specifically target tyreek hill but he went the cheapest only by like one or two dollars between i think all of um himself maybe not michael thomas but I, I feel like i remember all of like julio odell beckham and uh probably Devonte adams probably De- deandre Hopkins. michael thomas
1: went for 40
2: okay yeah and i i have uh you know hill safely ahead of thomas especially in standard scoring because i don't i just don't think thomas is a big play guy but yeah so I i basically considered all of those guys very solid wide receiver ones and I ostensibly targeted the cheapest ones so that's how I ended up with Hill and I'm totally good with that as a wide receiver one totally good with Chubb as a running back one obviously I'm good with Godwin as the second receiver I ended up paying too much for Tevin Coleman at $28 because he's a guy that I am totally glad to get here but uh, I believe Derek Henry went for less than that and it's like as much as I like uh, he, he went the same amount $28. So as much as I like Coleman a lot this year, I still have Henry safely ranked ahead of him. So Henry was up first for the bidding. Uh, Coleman was much later. If if I had, you know, that hindsight knowledge ahead of time, I would have gone to 28 for Henry. But uh, yeah, so I, I paid a little bit too much. In that sense, I could have gotten some better deals. But in general, I'm happy with a quarterback rotation of Cam Newton and Matt Ryan the receivers tyreek hill chris godwin and uh deshaun jackson and jameson crowder are kind of like my co number three receivers which in 14 teams i think is fine but uh Vance mcdonald is my tight end and i admittedly wish i had gotten him for a little cheaper than 14 dollars, but i just didn't see uh any recourse if i didn't get him
1: yeah i think that the tight end thirst had started at at that point so that that probably explains why why he went for a little bit over uh budget you know it's funny if i if i were just doing like a blind look at all these rosters with, with no knowledge of of who uh was the owner of each team I probably would have been able to pick out yours just because I know about Jalen Richard. Jalen Richard is like the deadest of dead giveaways. But Mm -hmm. uh, Nick Chubb, Chris Godwin and Cam Newton, like at that point, I would just know that that was your team.
2: But yeah, to be serious, I accidentally took Kiki QT. I thought I was just going to click like one time on the bid or whatever and that someone else would bid for. No one did. So I'm stuck with him. I might cut him for some crap pickup. I don't know. And I also didn't mean to take Rashard. I can't remember what I did wrong with. I think I might have just like had the clock creep up faster than I thought. And I was down to $1 bids, So I just had to name a player. And like the only name I could think of was Jalen Richard because I scrambled the player list accidentally. Um, but whatever, I'm not that worried about it. More likely the running backs that I'll that I'll need something from are Justin Jackson and Justice Hill, who I got for $4 combined. So i don't know it's 14 teams you're probably going to be weak in some sense and if it's if it's not depth then it's going to be you know your starters and at least i don't worry about my starters like if i i basically like all my starters for the roles that they're you know slotted into right now but i, I wish i had better depth i wish i didn't have QT. i wish i didn't have richard because it's standard scoring there's no half point ppr it's not ppr so uh, he could have like one or two touchdowns this year which would make him pretty useless in standard scoring
1: Yes, it would um so yeah he he 's definitely more more the p p r tar- target and and we 've talked about that um, it was funny because N- Nick Chubb kind of hung out on the board, you know uh, the way that auctions work, you know it 's at the mercy of the people nominating, so it was funny to see. All these running backs and other top-end players go off the board. And Nick Chubb was the 53rd player nominated. So a lot of people had already taken care of their RB1s at that point. And I noticed that you had like 150 bucks of your budget left or, so, or something uh, around that area. Just, yeah, 155 because you had only gotten Tyreek Hill at that point. And I yeah. was like, whatever poor sucker is going to try to outbid Mario
2: for this is just not... It's not going to end well for them. I think everyone knew where that was going. Yeah. <laughs> like It was actually Jake Latarski who was bidding on Chubb otherwise. And I think – I don't even know if he was so much chasing Chubb himself or if he was like just kind of uh, – he knew I was going to keep bidding, so he kept bidding kind of thing. Yeah, because but-
1: at, at that stage, he could have – you know walked away with having david johnson and chubb in his backfield because he got
2: you got david johnson very early on but he ended up paying quite a bit for marlon mack i think it was just a few picks later so yeah i guess he was kind of like i need to get two good starting running backs which is totally reasonable strategy but yeah i hadn't picked any running back yet when i was bidding for chubb so that was that was one of my uh favorite parts of of the auction there was
1: also yeah when you got justice hill i was really really tempted to to bid that up but i uh, i think i had different plans at at that exact stage but there are other times
2: where i, I think i might have ticked you off uh, yeah um there was a i i, w- I wasn't terribly serious about this I but know, i i mentioned after the draft that i uh, i was going for richard higgins rather than like i would rather have higgins swear to god than kiki kuti right now especially in standard scoring because I don't know if Kuti going to score more than a few touchdowns all year, whereas I think Higgins can score. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I would not actually be surprised if Higgins had eight touchdowns this year. Like that just, it wouldn't be what I predict specifically, but if it happened, I would not blink at that. I mean, do you think that he
1: is second on the Browns in receiving touchdowns when the season's over?
2: I would uh, project I him. For th- Njoku. I would project him for fourth just because yeah, and Joku and Beckham definitely in the lead, but as much as i think Richard higgins is clearly better than jarvis landry i don't i don't know they, it'll be interesting because they're gonna play a similar number of snaps i bet like in two wide i think you'll see higgins sometimes and in three wide i think you'll almost always see him so he might match or almost match jarvis Landry's snap count and if he's out there i mean higgins is going to get open more often than landry so i don't think baker's a, a lock to uh you know distribute targets in a descending order of salary like people generally project like and and if it's merit that they're spreading the targets around on then jarvis landry's in trouble because he's just not as good as these other guys in my opinion but uh i would conventionally project higgins to still be fourth because as much as i'm fading landry uh i don't specifically want to predict that he'll uh be within i don't know uh 30 targets of higgins 40 50 whatever the number is whatever reasonable number it is i would have to guess that landry being paid 15 million a year will get him targets at at higgins's general expense but it's not a guarantee in my opinion i mean i think i think landry's out of cleveland after this year and higgins is due for a contract extension anyway so the institutional incentive isn't quite what it looks like at a glance in my opinion
1: and then uh just looking elsewhere so callaway you think is kind of just out of the picture at this stage
2: i don't know if he's gonna play for them again i mean his his whole offseason has been remarkably similar to deontay foreman's like they were both i don't know back in like may and april both of those teams were saying like oh my god i wish you could see this guy he's so good wow and then the training camps arrive and they're just like we hate these idiots get him out of here they cut foreman of course in houston they didn't cut callaway in cleveland but He's suspended four games. He's got a high ankle sprain, I guess, right now, too. And Derek Willies, by all accounts, is doing good in training camp. Uh, Higgins, of course, is doing really good. I'm not convinced that Callaway is like going to stay clean by the time his ankle's healthy. I don't even know if we can take for granted that they'll welcome him back when he's healthy and off the suspension. They might be looking at it like, if we can't trade him, we're going to cut him, for all we know. Maybe he would play if he got cut or traded wherever he got to next, but... I am worried that Callaway will be like basically a zero this year, basically, because uh, I don't know. I guess he's just kind of dumb. Yeah, it seems to be uh, trending that way. So that, that also kind of helped embolden me. And into it's thinking not a Gordon. Higgins was going to just kind of be locked into that number three spot. And it's not like a Josh Gordon thing with Callaway. Like he seems like he actually has a bit of a dark streak. And uh, it's not like just Josh Gordon who you know, basically self medicated or whatever. Uh, Callaway's got a much more checkered history. And uh, it doesn't seem like he's growing exactly. No, it does not. And you know, I mean, we saw in
1: Hard Knocks last year that they were going to try to be, you know, kind of uh, disciplinarians with him, and it just doesn't seem to to really be working there. So, uh, yeah, doesn't look good for his outlook for Cleveland to, for this year and, and probably uh, beyond. Before we get to to my uh, auction team here, we got a message from our f- friends at Play Balto. Looking for another NFL Pick'em Contest? Well, we have one for you, and you can compete against Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, who is hosting a free-to-play NFL Pick'em Contest with our friends at PlayBalto.com. The winner takes home $1,000, and the GOAT himself has already had an early entry into the contest. Aside from competing against Joe, you'll also get to see his picks each week and find out if his football IQ translates off the field. So what are you waiting for? Join... Join today at playbalto.com. That's P-L-A-Y-B-A-L-T-O dot com. That's P-L-A-Y-B-A-L-T-O dot com. So you can go and play with Joe Montana. All right, so let's go and get into into my roster here before we... um, jump into a couple other odds and ends here and, and round out the show here. So um, my starting lineup, uh, uh, starting from the quarterback position and moving on down, uh, $6 Jameis Winston, a $62 Alvin Kamara, um, a $21 Mark Ingram, a $40 Mike Evans, $9 on Curtis Samuel, $20 on Tyler Boyd, 17 on Austin Eckler, and Mark Andrews, $7 uh, at my tight end position there. So I felt kind of like what you were saying there where you wanted to walk out of that auction with a, at least a strong, um, strong starting lineup depth can be acquired and addressed more so, uh, during the season. So my bench is not really going to bowl anyone over, but I like my starting lineup as much as anybody's going, going into the season. I, I felt like having the, the Winston Evans combo, uh, could be really dangerous. I know how you feel about, uh, Curtis Samuel, and I always get Tyler Boyd pretty much no matter what so I was I was pumped about that and Eckler for 17 I think could be a huge boon as well
2: yeah I don't know what to make of the Gordon situation like similar to Zeke it's like everything is in bounds to me anything could happen and I I don't think it could be I don't think you could call any of the outcomes shocking exactly so Eckler as a what is he your second flex or is your third running back yeah so that's that's pretty um low risk in 14 teams like ideally we'd be ppr scoring for eckler but chargers should score points and uh i mean he's really uncommonly good as a pass catcher Uh, he's probably flex viable even if gordon were to play 16 games so if gordon doesn't play then yeah eckler becomes quite valuable in that case i thought um yeah your three receivers are good like evans is one boyd is two samuel is three definitely checks all the boxes i think uh yeah i guess your team's kind of like mine and like i, I guess the depth is the main concern but uh you got higgins for two dollars and i i think in 14 teams he's I, I'll say he's a wide receiver five to me in fourteen team leagues. Even though I, some part of me is thinking four. Which I guess I'm just being irresponsible if I say that particular thing. <laughs> as much as deep down I think it's true, but uh yeah, it's uh and also Adrian Peterson in a league like this is not at all a bad running back four at two dollars because since it's standard scoring, it's like that that he doesn't do anything as a pass catcher doesn't matter a whole lot, and you're not dependent on him. Whatever the case, so yeah the running back depth i I consider good for your team it's more the receiver depth that's maybe a little and tight end i guess a little bit pressed like i guess mark andrews as much as i think he's really good might have uh you know limited ceiling just because they have a three tight end offense over there even and it's, it's stupid they should uh they should remove nick boyle from the offense they should have Hayden Hurst only play when Mark Andrews has you know when he's tired he's a or when his tum-tum hurts or something <laughs> uh because yeah it's it's a joke having that guy on the field Andrews is clearly
1: better yeah Andrews I think you know has a pretty good chance at leading that team in touchdowns uh yeah I, I think overall though I probably would feel a little bit better if I had a second tight end that was, you know, I'd say somewhere within, if we were talking about a snake draft, like within a five round range to kind of back him up with, but going into the season and it's not PPR. I I do kind of like Andrews as, as my standalone tight end. I'm, I'm not super worried about that. Um, overall, uh, the receivers, yeah, it could be a little bit dicey, but there, there's also going to be uh, Golden Tate coming back. it You know, after Week Four, again, like I don't, I don't think that he's as valuable in this format as he would be in PPR. But I didn't have to pay like anything for him. I pay, I got him for three dollars, and I think that he is. You know, we were talking about how salary can, can a little bit dictate you know a guy's role in the offense or at least what what a team once out of a given player here so I think that Tate immediately gets on the field and and challenges for for snaps out of the slot and probably demands a fair bit of targets out there too so I do like that as kind of like a just kind of a safety blanket type of type of pick it's not a home run swing by any means but it's it's something that's reliable if one of my top three receivers go down in the first couple of weeks
2: yeah I think that Tate i don't even think it'll be like a challenge basis i think it's like he has the slot snaps waiting for him when yeah. he gets back so i think uh i think we mentioned before or i mentioned before on this draft i really would not be surprised one bit if tate finishes the year with 75 receptions even uh, even suspended for four games just because the giants shouldn't be in uh controlling game scripts very often they should kind of just be in a permanent state of losing and if they are then they're going to throw the ball saquon barkley can only get so many of those and after saquon the slot is where you would sooner expect eli manning to throw than outside toward the sideline downfield on the sideline or uh even down the seam where evan ingram's uh speed might normally be a threat it's like eli manning is just kind of dependent on throwing to tate's part of the field just categorically i think and uh there's also a chance that tate is still good like he was off to a fast start with the lions before they traded him and then the eagles basically didn't know how to use him yeah that was odd uh there's a pretty good chance that tate is still one of the best slot receivers and uh, his touchdown upside is limited the suspension obviously isn't good but I don't know he's he's gonna be very busy I think uh when he is back
1: yeah so I was I was happy enough to have him as a depth option at receiver and I also felt like the David Moore pick like I don't I still would kind of admit that I don't know a ton about his game but just the way that this uh, Seahawks offense is set up in my opinion where uh tight end yeah, and then you know DK Metcalf
2: having a, a
1: minor knee surgery that is apparently only going to hold him out for a couple weeks. They're but saying I, it's I, a
2: scope, which really I remember one time Marquez Colston had a scope and was back in literally like nine days or something. But okay. it's all it—it's not all the same thing every time. Like it's it's without uh, acting like I actually know what I'm talking about. You know, just assume what everything I'm about to say is untrue. But also, for what it's worth i think you know it like depends on what they're actually cleaning out in the clean out procedure and there's they're not going to tell you like he had whatever uh five grams of loose particles that they removed like you don't hear that you don't hear like a status report on the cartilage or whatever so there's other things that can determine how long it takes and and you know especially whether there's an accompanying accompanying uh condition of whatever sort Uh, but there's no indication that metcalf has like whatever a a bone on bone cartilage deficiency thing so as long as his ligaments are otherwise intact then it could just be a couple weeks like with sony michelle like the same thing that he's had uh each of the last two years and he came back each time pretty quick so nothing guaranteed but i i kind of believe them when they say it's not a a big injury a longer term injury for metcalf but i still think i like i am a bit of a david moore truther still because i like tyler lockett a lot um but it's really difficult for me to believe this jaron brown hype that they're pushing it's I, i think he'll play regularly on that team but david moore is the only guy that they have who can fight for jump balls basically aside from metcalf but metcalf is in his first year with the team Moore knows the system for about three years or at least two years counting now and i think Moore is probably just good like you look at his numbers last year he had a few big games then he fell off, but he still was playing a lot of snaps, including ahead of Jeron Brown. And I think that the issue with with Moore is that he, I don't know, maybe he doesn't run routes that well. Maybe he doesn't get open much. So the th- the targets that he was getting from Wilson were disproportionately far downfield and with a lot of coverage around him. So he had a low catch rate, even though he wasn't dropping passes. Just because a bunch of them, I assume, were like getting knocked down, or maybe they were kind of just, uh, you know, to avoid illegal uh or intentional grounding stuff like that cuz he's explosive he he ran a 443 at 220 or something like that so he's big and fast and they were using him as the downfield specialist all year and the red zone specialist cuz when they get to the red zone everybody else you know Lockett and Baldwin they're short and light so that should continue to be the case though you know it's like they should get to the red zone plenty and if they do Lockett doesn't really project better than Moore does, and yet we also think Russell Wilson's going to throw thirty plus touchdowns. So, just with like those details, if those are all true, it's like I feel like Moore has some, uh, some bit of upside, even if it isn't obvious.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So,
2: I mean, he was my last guy, so I'm not like
1: banking on him doing anything for me necessarily. But for for a dollar at the very end, I thought that was a worthy. dart to throw uh before we round things out here you you wrote in your best ball journal this week you know just kind of taking overall uh stock of guys that that you feel like you have a lot a lot of a lot that you wish you didn't have guys that you wish you had more of any any of those guys that you were able to address in this uh particular draft get a share of that that you didn't have otherwise or, or had been hoping to get
2: um trying to look at my team again like i don't have much justin jackson in uh the best ball leagues he's just been kind of like a trendy upside chase especially since the gordon holdout of course but i just don't think he's as good as eckler and i don't believe the premise that he could overtake eckler which i think is price normally said like you have some justin jackson truthers out there and they're kind of swinging the whole market in my opinion and i'm just not playing ball on it so this league was an exception getting him for three dollars when normally it's like in draft best ball he's going in the ninth or eighth even nowadays and oh, it's wow. like I'm, I'm i'm still whatever going for matt breeda or something like that two rounds later
1: okay so that makes sense and then but
2: you know, outside of that, we're there any guys. Hill, that you got or Justice Hill. Yeah. Sorry, I guess I don't have many of him. He's also he's like with Darwin Thompson going in that eleventh, twelfth range of draft best ball because the hype's been picking so, up. Yeah, so,
1: what explains the the Justice Hill hype exactly? I mean, that, like I follow the Ravens pretty closely. I'm not getting why he's like just skyrocketed. Like I get the Darwin Thompson one a little bit more because I feel like Carlos Hyde we knew was bad. Like you had to sniff out for that one for a long time there so it the, the thompson hype makes more sense to me that than hill i think that there's just it's still a pretty crowded backfield in baltimore
2: yeah well, uh, i guess it's because he's looked good in the preseason you know when you're just, when you're as fast and quick as, as hill is no one's gonna watch him and say like hey looks like crap <laughs> sucks uh they're gonna be like wow he's fast you know they like fast things he's good so he's he's i don't know it's it's hard for me to keep track of like what people are serious about anymore and what is just kind of like people trying to get attention on twitter basically but i i basically feel like it it, there's rarely a good case for the public opinion swings and the media agenda swings that we see with these players like not to say that carlos hyde is a lock to make the chiefs team or anything like that but you're seeing a lot of reports today specifically about how darwin thompson has jumped him on the depth chart and it's if you look at the report that's saying this it's the beat writer saying he thinks that maybe darwin thompson played more with the first team one day than carlos hyde but but my timeline last night though yeah and uh it's like I I know that the beat writer has to say something. He can't just say like, Oh, I don't know. I have no idea, but that's not exactly like rigorous standards of reporting right there. in in the sense of like what everyone's taking away from it, like people are writing secondary reports about like, looks like Darwin Thompson's who, how have you verified that Carlos Hyde played ahead of him in their most recent uh, preseason game. He's listed two spots ahead of him on the depth chart there's like it could mean something but the chiefs are also one of those teams that rotates everybody with the first team like there was a few days ago where marcus kemp and uh like gary Dieter were getting snaps with the first team did they move ahead of sammy Watkins and tyree kill because they weren't on the field when they were they might be ahead of them now on the depth chart uh so yeah that's the kind of stuff that's just kind of like taking over and when it gets out on Twitter people go nuts it's always like the rorschach test thing of course and with this backfield and specifically where it's like someone who has the suspicion that darwin thompson is way better than most people think sees a report like that goes insane uh you know starts like tweeting out taunts at people who own carlos hyde and damian williams etc and it just kind of like everybody's getting neurotic about all of it and not keeping like a grounded perspective about what preseason means what media can know about you know secondhand interpretations of practices there's just there's a lot of noise and not much in the way of uh solid reasoning for people to be changing their opinions so violently so often so i don't know i think you're better off just like knowing who the players are having a, a firm grasp of their prospect profiles and thus you know the players around them necessarily it's like i don't need to i don't need to look on the internet for someone to tell me what i think about gus edwards and justice hill because i know who they both are i know the things that they do i can imagine the various possible outcomes with them i don't need uh you know beyond something like whatever we saw this guy in practice you know this beat writer saying like we saw him in practice he's fat he looks stupid as hell like if that's something that's coming out it's like okay maybe something's amiss maybe the prospect profile doesn't apply because there's this secondary red flag but if not generally you can just grasp the baseline on on who players are by doing your own research and if you let you know flippant speculation invert your draft board you're you're just you're not grounded enough there you have it uh you got anything else for us uh no uh do you you want to trade for kiki QT? Uh, He's very good. <laughs> I have He is good, I guess,
1: but uh I'm, I'm I think I have him. like two shares of him and now that feels like it's almost too many.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna cut probably him and Jalen Richard to pick up like I don't know, chester rogers or something like jimmy that. garoppolo jimmy garoppolo That'd be very meta uh yeah $15 bid to start things off let's probably go, let's go baby
1: yeah. burn that fab all right for mario puig i'm john mckechnie thanks for listening to this week's rotowire nfl podcast brought to you by Yacht.